Yeah. Yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. Huh. I know you're in the trenches fighting, but check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleeper but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Slackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the Christmas five minutes and you about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you died for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep, huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you're studying trying to reach, huh? But after him who's able to possess your father's by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is that was prophesied way back in the day. Choir, sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. We're going to pump the brakes right there. I just want to give a few seconds to Big Boy upstairs because it's my belief and hope it's yours too that eventually we're going to work this thing out called life, you know, and uh, we're going to start spreading a little bit more love and uh, less hate. Uh, this is your host, Lamont Patterson, and you're listening to Can a Player Play? Uh, today we're going to have another uh, very deep subject on you about a situation that's going on in the United States, and uh, hopefully we can get your input as well. Uh, you know how we say it, each one, uh, teach one. Uh, our guest today is Mrs. Nancy Hartwell, and we're going to be talking about human trafficking and the flourishing 21st century slave trade. Um, man, I know you guys know uh, what's going on and heard about it, but I guess, you know, I guess it really doesn't get real to people nowadays unless it, uh, you know, attacks you and your family personally. So, anyway, we're going to get into this one. Let's see if our guest has arrived. Ms. Hardwell, are you with us? I sure am. Thank you. Thank you, and and, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> Let us give us give you a little brief introduction to our listeners. Uh, today we have Mrs. Uh, Nancy Hartwell, who grew up in Tampa and earned a degree in international relationships from American University in Washington, D.C., where she met and married a distinguished attorney from Cameroon who was working on a doctorate in law. She lived and worked in Cameroon for 14 years, and upon her return to the United States, she wrote for the Washington Post on Capitol Hill. Uh, for seven years and then became lead proposal writer for an international consulting company. She has traveled 45 countries and speaks more than a dozen languages, and I'm still trying to get one together. She has <laughs> become an international recognized authority on human trafficking and has done more than 700 radio interviews on the topic in 30 countries. The flagship book in our human trafficking series, Harem Slave, won an award and reached number seven in all fiction on Amazon. And it also has been translated into Spanish, French, and Germany. Welcome, Ms. Hardwell. Thank you so much. Oh, man. Let's get into this because, you know, to me, this is one of those <clears throat> subjects where everyone knows that it exists, but, you know, nobody really talks about it. Why yeah, kind of the Venetian blind effect. Uh, yeah, but I, I, that's too ugly. I really don't want to hear about that. Thank you. Goodbye. Um, it really is ugly. These are people who don't steal your wallet that screws you up for a couple of weeks. These are people who steal your dreams. They steal your future. They steal you away from your family, your friends, everything you've ever known and loved. They steal you. And I think it's the most horrible crime on the on the planet and yes it is still going on under our very noses right here in the United States every day and if we don't talk about it 
we're putting our kids at additional risk because they aren't aware of the dangers involved. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, it's just amazing that, you know, they don't want to talk about it here in America. And and it's what they say, it's estimated 25 million people are forced or coerced into human uh, trafficking worldwide. Yes, and that's more than at any other time in human history. This is 2019. We humans should have gone beyond this by now. But instead, the problem is getting worse. Um, Slavery takes many different forms around the world, but it always amounts to somebody stealing you and making you do stuff that you would never dream of doing on your own. And forcing you well, into doing it, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, 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 uh, Mrs. Hartwell, why, why do you feel that we're still talking about it in in this day and age, when supposedly we dealt with these issues years ago? Yeah. Well, people like to think that we solved the problem years ago, but it's like outlawing murder. Um, you can outlaw it all you want, but people are still going to commit murder. Um, uh, the problem is getting worse and worse and worse. I uh, people say, okay, Nancy, you've you've done 700 radio interviews on this. You're working really hard, but I haven't done nearly enough because the problem keeps getting worse. Um, young people are at risk. Runaways have a target on them the size of Texas. Predators look for runaways. They know all the right buttons to push to get the young kid to trust them. Oh, I've got a safe place for you to sleep. I'll give you a hot meal. Um, These are music to a kid's ears. And then after a few days, okay, now you really owe me big time here. And if it's a girl, she might be forced into prostitution. If it's a guy... He may be forced into sex slavery. There was a case just two weeks ago about two teenage boys who were being held as sex slaves in St. Petersburg, right across the bridge from Tampa. Um, They had been been lured over the Internet into thinking that they were going to get a better life, and guess what? this this happens all the time, and we really need to be alert to what's going on around us. Well, that's what, one of my next questions, too, uh, Mrs. Hardwell. We hear about a, a lot of people being lured or children uh, being lured, but I understand, you know, older adults are being lured as well. What other ways would a predator uh, lure these people outside of the Internet? That's the most we okay. hear about now. Well, I'm sure there's other ways. Yeah, well, they, they put an ad either on the Internet or in a newspaper or anywhere where they know that young people uh, will look promising some fabulous opportunity, um, maybe a, a part in a movie or some really fabulous uh, modeling job or participating in a hot new band. Think of the three M's, music, modeling, and movies. Um, Anything that would get a 14-year-old's juices flowing, okay? And so they set up an interview. Now, let's say the girl shows up at the interview, and the guy will, well, first of all, he's made the office, he's gone to a lot of trouble to make the office look really authentic maybe with movie posters everywhere. And when she comes in, he's on a fake phone call pretending that he's, he's um, casting the remake of a big Hollywood hit. Um, and then, then he'll sit down and, and he'll ask her a question. Now, she hears the first part, but what he's really asking is the second part, and this is it. Do you have time to sit down and chat for a few minutes, or is somebody waiting for you? Now, what she hears is, oh, goody, he wants to talk to me. He's taking me seriously. Yes. What he's really asking is, have you come alone and unprotected? Okay? Wow. Uh Uh-huh. 
And if she says, oh, no, that's okay, um, I have plenty of time, then he'll sit down and talk to her for maybe 10 minutes and get her so excited she's, she's just ready to flip. And then he'll say, okay, um, let, me, let me show you the studio. So he opens a door. It's a closet. He dumps her in, locks her in, makes a phone call to his friend who's probably in the Russian mafia. They control this industry big time. And in a few hours, she's drugged and in a crate labeled some kind of industrial equipment and on her way to a harem or a bottle on the Persian Gulf. Um, If she's, on the other hand, says, well, my dad had to drop something off at his karate studio, but he'll be back in about 10 minutes. Um, She will not get, quote, the job, unquote, and she will go back home with her family. Um, uh, You have to be very, very careful about meetings that you set up on the Internet. Um, Young guys are often lured into labor slavery with promises of some other wonderful opportunity. Do you realize that the World Cup finals will take place in Qatar on the Persian Gulf in 2022? And the facilities are already under construction with slave labor. They will send recruiters to poor countries like Somalia, Afghanistan, Nepal, offering fabulous opportunities. The guys will sign what look like to be valid labor contracts. They pay for their transportation there. As soon as they get there, they rip up the contracts, confiscate their travel documents, keep the guys under log and key, and make them work 18-hour days under 130-degree heat. Conditions have been so bad, they have been averaging a death a day, and nobody knows. Right. So and that's a, and so, that's, that's also that's also amazing to me when when again forced labor is estimated to generate at one hundred and fifty point two billion a year. Yeah, next to illegal drugs, it's the biggest illegal industry on the planet. It's a multi-billion-dollar international industry. Yes. Yes. Wow. And it's scary. Yeah. Well, especially when the profiteers is not going to talk about it. Of course not. Of course not. Um, and by the way, a good-looking young blonde can retail easily, and I mean easily, for more than a hundred thousand dollars to the sheikhs and and princes on the Persian Gulf. And as long as somebody's going to pay those prices, somebody's going to supply the market. Wow. You mentioned, uh, let me ask you, uh, uh, Ms. Harrell, you mentioned earlier that the the Russians control the market. Uh, Would you say that's uh, internationally or just domestically? No, that's that's internationally. They noticed a vacuum. They used the Rus- This is a Russian mafia. They used to operate just in in the in Eastern Europe and and Russia, but they noticed that there wasn't enough organized crime dealing with this very lucrative enterprise. So now their tentacles are absolutely everywhere. Everywhere. So do you feel like the law enforcement, are, are, are their hands are tied, are working with this situation, or they just not as uh, they try. As they could they, be? they try. They they really try, but it's a very slippery type of of enterprise. Um, and the problem in this country is we don't have a nationwide effort to stop it. We have a lot of really hardworking local law enforcement agencies and task forces against human trafficking that work really hard in their local area. But um, it's kind of spotty coverage. So if, if this city starts cracking down on it, they just move to the city next door that, that isn't so tough. Um, 
the, the Chinese and Vietnamese, by the way, are extremely well organized in setting up massage parlors and nail salons, etc., where a lot of funny stuff goes on. They have some people who are specialized in getting business licenses to make these look like totally legitimate business businesses. They're right next to an ice cream parlor and a barbershop, okay, on a strip mall. Who would ever suspect that there are slaves inside? Um, once again, they recruit um, young women offering a fabulous opportunity. Then they get here and discover that they are sleeping in the basement. They come and work 18-hour days in the, <clears throat> the shop. Then they go back and sleep in the basement. If they start learning English or making friends, they're immediately transferred to another location. They also have other people who are specialized in shutting the places down in a matter of like two hours in case they get wind that there's going to be a police raid. Would you believe that in Canton, Ohio, this became such an issue that when the police would raid one of these places, they would take a Mandarin interpreter with them to try to convince the victims that they were there to help them and not make their lives even more miserable. Canton, Ohio, who knew? <laughs> I just heard you say something even more remarkable than that. Uh, you just said something that, that got me how organized these people are, that they can have oh, people yeah. come in there in a, in a matter of a moment and do an official cleanup. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they wow. just move to the county next door. Um, uh, and there are some of these places in front of them at 4 o'clock in the morning. Think, uh, wait a minute. People getting massages at 4 o'clock in the morning? Probably not. <laughs> yeah, you might want to tip off your your local law enforcement agency if if you if you notice that. A lot of these places will also have a back door and parking in the rear so that it's not quite so evident. So, but they're located, so, like I say, right next to an ice cream parlor where you take your kids. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, let me ask you this one because I've been paying attention <laughs> to the local news here lately. And yeah. uh, hopefully we can get some other listeners to call in and comment on this. But you, I'm un, I understand that they have a lot of these parlors in local neighborhoods, but I'm also hearing stuff on the news and on TV about um, – owners of football teams and our president being seen in some of these places. What about that? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> right. Well, Palm Beach County is cracking down and um, they apparently got videos of the owner of a certain football team um, uh, who was frequenting one of these places. And, and I mean, they get customers. That's the whole, that's the whole idea. Yeah. Wow. So, so I guess it goes back to the heart of the problem for me. It's it's going to be seem like it's going to be hard to 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 combat this thing uh, problem if we really got you know people from all walks of life, you know, still even dabbling in it, directly or indirectly. People buy the services. Somebody will provide the service. And right. Um, and f- people often talk about prostitution as a victimless crime. Excuse me. It's the prostitutes themselves who are the victims. About 98% of these girls were forced into this if they don't bring in a quota of, depending on the market, 300 500 even $1,000 a day. The pimp beats them to a pulp um, in front of the other girls in his, quote, stable, unquote, um, they don't like what they do, but they have to do it, or or they're they'll be killed. The prostitutes are twenty one percent more likely to be twenty times sorry twenty one times more likely to be killed than if you have any other job on the planet. Twenty one times more likely to be killed. This is a dangerous, dangerous job. 
and uh, somebody who wants to murder somebody, okay, you murder a prostitute because they're worthless. But it's the prostitutes themselves who are the victims of this crime. And then it's only recently that our law enforcement has realized this and is now treating prostitutes as victims rather than as criminals like they used to be treated. It's like a rape victim, and then the the court system is so screwed up that the rape victim feels like they've been raped all over again because nobody understands, nobody cares about what they've really been through. Um, Wasn't it just yeah. some news here recently about somebody trying to pass a bill about uh, prostitution is uh, would no longer be illegal or something? Um. I'm not I'm not sure where you are. Um um West Coast. West Coast. Okay. Well, um that that may that may very well be, but it's not going to solve the problem. Um if prostitution is illegal, it's the pimps who need to be prosecuted and not the prostitutes. Hardly any of these prostitutes volunteered for this job. They've been forced into it and are under great duress. They're being threatened. Their family members are being threatened. Their children are being threatened. Um, Many of them are forced into it at a very young age, like 13, at a very impressionable age. And if they're ever rescued, they're very, very difficult to help because at this point they have been lied to, betrayed, deceived, exploited so many times they don't trust anybody, even the people who are genuinely trying to help them. And who can blame them? I mean, 13, that's 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 an age where you're trying to figure out, like you were saying a little while ago, trying to figure out life. And and if if life deceives you, betrays you, exploits you, um, no wonder you don't trust anybody. Um you know, what I've always said is like these pedophiles and the perpetrators of these crimes, you know, uh, society, courts, the Justice Department, they give them jail sentences. But these children, they get life sentences. Right. And they never, never Recover. entirely get over it. Okay. Like right. we've seen recently on TV, victims of, of the of the priests you know, who preyed on on young children. And this is finally now coming out um, 30, 40 years later, and these these once children victims are still trying to recover from the trauma that this caused them. This this destroys people for life. And that's, that's what I meant by the life sentence. <laughs> That's what I right, life right, sentence. absolutely. You're you were bang on. You are bang on. And then we wonder what happens, and and then there's generations and generations, and then we find wonder why there's um, other children being molested or abducted, and we wonder where does this all come from? Is it because some of these people have been exposed to this themselves? I mean, the family members of the people that are perpetrating these crimes. Right. That is very often the case. Um, I have a housemate, in fact, whose father, whose father molested her every day of her life from the time she was seven years old. She finally ran away from home when she was 11. Her own father. There seems to be a bottomless market for pedophiles. And by the way, um, sometimes pedophiles will go to a school when it's letting out, and they'll find a kid that has something personalized, like a book bag or a baseball cap. Oh, Billy, hi. Uh, My name is Frank, and look, your mom couldn't come and pick you up today, so she asked me to to come and, and take you. Well, have a family password. And if Billy says, okay, Frank, um, what is the password? And Frank doesn't know it, then Billy knows he's not supposed to leave with Frank, okay? It's a very, very easy way to, one of the ways to help protect your kids. 
Um, right. Yeah. I think that's a very simple and easy way in that every parent should know, um, you know, to tell their kids that. Yeah, well, first of all, parents need to talk to their kids about this. We tell our kids not to cross the street without looking both ways because there's danger. We tell our kids not to put a hand on a hot stove because there's danger. But then we don't want to talk to them about this. And guess what? There's danger. If we don't talk to them, we're putting them at risk because they don't, they're not aware of the dangers. So we do need to have a heart-to-heart talk with the kids and be as graphic as you dare. Tell them that, that these people are not going to be nice to them, that they'll, they'll maybe burn them with cigarettes or make them do horrible things. Be as graphic as you dare. You're the one who knows your kids. But but give them something specific to be nervous about and not just um, don't talk to strangers or don't take candy from strangers. That's not enough because these predators know that parents have done a good job of telling their kids to strangers. So they have devised some really, really sneaky ways of getting around it. I heard a story, for instance, about an 11-year-old girl who was on a bus. And this guy sits down next to her. He starts groping her. She gets mad. He gropes her again. She gets even madder. So a passenger with a couple seats back, he sees what's going on. He gets up, grabs the guy, says, you leave your hands off that kid. And he dumps him into another seat. Then he sits down next to the girl. Well, did you ever tell your kids not to talk to heroes? These two guys were working together. Now, what 11-year-old is going to figure that out, huh? And within 30 seconds, he can extract all the information he needs from her. Where is she going? Is there going to be somebody there to meet her? Okay? Or they bring... Good cop, bad cop. Bingo. Or they bring a puppy. There was a a very, very interesting um, video on YouTube recently where a guy wanted to warn parents about the dangers of a puppy. He went to a playground with with a cute puppy, and he went up to parents who were there. Um, Can I try to get your child to leave with me? And the parents said, ha, 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 good luck. They know they're not supposed to talk to strangers. Well, guess what? Eight out of eight children left with him because he had a puppy. He promised to show them more puppies. The kids weren't thinking, wait a minute, I don't know this guy. He's a stranger. They're thinking about the puppy. Puppy. Uh Uh-huh. Or another guy. Oh, can you help me find my puppy? He's lost in those woods over there. Well, we bring up our children to be kind-hearted. We bring them up to love puppies. So this little kid is thinking about the lost puppy. He's not thinking, wait a minute, I don't know this guy. And so he goes into the woods with somebody he doesn't know. That's, they, these guys know what works because these are professional Predators, professional criminals, and they know what works. So it's it's getting harder and harder to protect our kids because these guys really know what they're doing. They've gotten more sophisticated over the years. Um, yeah. Hard, well, is there a, is there a market? Um, well, I know ninety eight percent of women. Are, and the world is sexually exploited, but is there any market for, uh, you know, middle-aged uh, adult women? Um, yes, but it's mostly in labor, um, slavery, like um, weaving rugs or assembling parts of something. Or, yeah, it's usually not in sex slavery. Uh, but the, oh yeah, if if you're still alive and and you can. And have two hands at work. Somebody will find a way to exploit you. Oh yeah. Okay. 
And I've even heard about women in their 40s who were forced into to sex slavery also, but that's that's pretty rare. Usually by the time you hit 25, that's less and less of an issue. But they can work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like in India, they have this this system called debt slavery where let's say you want to get married and you don't have any money. So you borrow $500 to get married and you promise that you'll work for two years to pay this money back. Well, what the guy tells forgets to tell you is that you're going to have to buy your food from him. And so you never can pay the debt back because you keep getting deeper and deeper and deeper into debt. And that $500 is going to cost you 30 years of, of labor rather than two years. Um, there are all kinds of different sneaky ways of, of getting people to work for free. Um, in Southeast Asia, the fishing industry is highly dependent slave labor. Once again, they will send recruiters to poor countries like Cambodia or Laos, promising fabulous jobs. So, you know, it's a whole lot easier if somebody goes there under their own volition rather than you're having to kidnap them and 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 ship them there. So they get right. there, and then once again, they tear up the contracts. And <clears throat> these guys work 18-hour days on the on the fishing boats, and if they don't work up to snuff, they just push them overboard. If if you have seafood in your freezer from Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, or Indonesia, there's about an 80% chance that slave labor was involved. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our country and our country don't care where this stuff or how this stuff is produced. Well, there are there are organizations that try really hard to um, to track the the supply chain, but it's very very hard because there's so many different pieces involved. It is very very hard to know every single step of the process. And the United States State Department every year comes out with an an amazing study of human trafficking every year. And it's a country by country by country analysis. Um, and they, they rate the countries in four different levels. Level one is Western Europe and the U.S. where it's a problem, but, but the countries are trying very hard to do something about it. Level two is where... It's a problem, and the countries are kind of sort of doing something about it. Tier three is where it's a huge problem, and the countries aren't doing very much. And tier four is when the countries are active participants in the problem, like Yemen. Um, Thailand recently was promoted from tier four to tier three because the country realized that they were, they were compromising their own reputation um, more than half of the tourists that go to Thailand are there for the sex trade, um, and they decided that this wasn't the image that they wanted to promote in the world. Um, but in places like on the Persian Gulf, where slavery is still completely legal because Islamic law, um, well, the Prophet Muhammad had slaves. He treated them very humanely, but he had slaves. So under Islamic law, slavery is still entirely legal. In fact, the Quran even says if you need a special blessing, you should emancipate a slave. So, um, well, well how, how are they acquiring these slaves down there? Just by force or by money? or uh, By money. By money. I mean, there, there are these international cartels. Um, that that will find you a slave. Uh, like I said, you know, a tall blonde goes for more than $100,000. There's somebody out there supplying them. 
the international slave trade market headquarters in the Western Hemisphere is in Aruba. Um, And that's where there's a a kind of a clearinghouse. Um, You can place orders and and people will will find the right slave for you and ship her off. Um, um, And we have been trying very hard to improve our relationships with Arab countries. And this is a very, very ugly topic to bring up. So um, so it kind of gets short shrift, um, um, unfortunately, in diplomatic circles. Um, but, but we have made occasional attempts at, at bringing this up. King Faisal of Saudi, Saudi Arabia actually issued a royal decree in 1962 outlawing slavery, but because human law cannot supersede divine law, it had no legal effect. It was mostly just for international consumption. Uh, Well, we've outlawed slavery, so, you know, shut up, go home. Um, Yeah, but it didn't really outlaw it. Well, divine law versus human law. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, if if the Quran says it's okay, then it's okay. So, um and and no matter what we humans do, we're not going to be able to to um to say that something isn't okay if the Quran says that it is. So, um anyway, that that's that's part of Part of the issue, but uh, I mean, even in the Bible, there there were slaves, okay, um, and and I don't think Jesus ever talked a lot about, you know, emancipating slaves. It was just part of the way things were. Um, but still, we don't in the in the Christian world we have pretty much pretty much abolished slavery. But in the Muslim world, they have not. That's an interesting subject there. Yeah. And please, I am not anti-Muslim. My husband was from Cameroon. Half of my family is Muslim. I love them to pieces. The nicest people I know, I am in no way anti-Muslim. I just am stating the facts as they are. Um, I am not anti-Muslim. But you are anti-slavery. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, positively, yes, yes. (laughs) People often ask me, well, what can we parents do with all these professionals out there, you know, doing their best to lure our kids? What can we do to protect them? Uh, Good question. Number one. Know what your kids are doing on the Internet. Um, There are these predators lurking on the other end of these online games pretending to be another 12-year-old. And then they'll tell your kid, oh, um, send me a picture of yourself without any clothes on. Uh, Probably not another 12-year-old, you know? Um, Warn your kids about setting up meetings with anybody that they meet on the Internet. Um, but be sure you know what they're doing or do it with them. You don't want to be, you know, such a, a mean parent that you're setting off World War III here. Do it with them so you can point out pictures that never in a million years should have been posted on the Internet or sites that have all kinds of red flags. Show them. And, and if your kid is really sensitive, Say, look, I know you're smart enough to figure this out, but your friend Melanie, who is so naive, would never figure this out. Be sure to explain to her what the dangers are. Every kid has some naive friend, and and you can kind of soften the blow a little bit if you if you talk about how your kid should explain this to a, a, another friend. Um, that makes it a little easier for your kids to swallow. And have a family password. That's such an easy, such an easy um, 
and very effective system that works in some cases. You know, I guess a couple things I just want to add to that. You know, uh, now, you know, in today's society, people have, um, they're working hard, a lifestyle is fast, and they have less and less time to even talk to their kids. They quicker to want to give them some type of advice, some type of device, some type of game or computer to play on. But mm-hmm. the thing that I would like to say is they need to take time, and I know it's hard to say um, go back to the days where you had Sunday dinner with the family or dinner with the family and this family time, but it's so, so, so important um, for parents to take time out and and talk to the kids like what you've been saying, you know, throughout the show. Just take the time to talk to them and educate them because people are so sophisticated uh, today on how they lure kids and adults to do their bidding. So it's important for them to have that communication. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you know, it, you know, it, it it was scary because you know there was a, there was a time where you thought that uh, these type of things happened in foreign countries and uh, lower economic neighborhoods, but then when you see stuff on TV where you see you know celebs and and officials and executives you know partaking in the same lifestyle, you know it's like wow, what do it's we really do spooky, to fix this? right? Right. Well, very recently here in Florida, in the county next door, they arrested more than 250 people who were involved in a child pornography ring. And I was shocked. There were deputy sheriffs, school teachers, preachers, school counselors, scoutmasters, People that you think you can trust your kids with, right. and they were part of part of this part of this pornography ring. I mean, it was really disgusting, but they got them at least. Um, people are trying; they really are trying. <clears throat> it used to be that we'd kind of shrug and roll our eyes and say, "Yeah, I guess it happens," but finally, people are are waking up to the fact that this is going on right under our noses, even in small towns. Um, I've, I've, I've heard of places in Iowa that have, you know, rural communities where this is a problem. And um, remember the guy in Cincinnati who kept three women slaves for more than 10 years, right, right in the middle of town? Um, we need to wake up and realize, wait a minute, if somebody has locks outside the door, that's not keeping the bad guys out. That's keeping somebody in. Um, And if you notice something that looks weird, take pictures if you can, take notes, and then call the authorities. Don't try to, to get involved in investigating yourself, but call the authorities, share with them what you've seen, what you've noticed. Let them, let them take over. If your eyes open. Somebody who's outside when it's 40 degrees wearing a t-shirt and a sweater, uh, you know that somebody isn't looking after them. Um, um, And they may be under the control of somebody else. Uh, Recently, truck drivers have started um, organizing against prostitution at truck stops, interestingly enough. Um, there's a lot that we can do as just regular citizens. Um, number one, find out what's Emphasize, going on. I, I mean, Ms. a program Ms. like this. I was just, I was just going to say that, Miss Hartwell. Emphasize, yeah. do something. Just do something. People have a right. tendency nowadays to say, "Well, it don't have nothing to do with me," or "It's not in my business," or "That would never happen to me." But do something. Right. And these, there are lots of organizations, many of them local, many of them faith-based, that are trying really hard to fight the crime and to help victims if they're ever uh, brought, you know, rescued from the streets. 
Um, they're always looking for financial help. They're always looking for volunteer support. And if you can find it in your heart to help any of these organizations, they would be so grateful. Um, like the Salvation Army often provides temporary shelter for, for girls who have run away from the streets or, or have been rescued. Um, there's an organization here in Tampa called the Porch Light. There's the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Um, there are lots of, lots of organizations you can find out locally what yours are and then, and then try to support them in their, in their efforts. Um, it's only if we can all pull together here that eradicate this problem. And it's definitely a problem that we're going to have to deal with one way or the other. Uh, Ms. Harwood, talk to us a little bit about your book. We haven't said anything about your book. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, yes. Um, okay. I became interested in this topic 40-some years ago when a friend of mine named Ursula just vanished one day. They found her bicycle next to the road, and nobody has heard from or seen Ursula ever since. Several weeks later, we heard rumors that she had been sold to a sultan in Libya. Well, that really spooked me because I kept thinking, holy Toledo, that could have been me. And so I started collecting stories. And once people know that you're interested in this topic, you get bombarded with stories. So finally, when I, quote, retired, unquote, I finally had time to sit down and write them down. And I'm very pleased to say that my novel, Harem Slave, which is based on these true stories, it's about a girl from Maryland who's kidnapped while she's visiting some friends in Marseille, and she ends up in a harem of an 81-year-old sheikh. Um, and then the rest of the book is how she tries to deal with the really chilling detour that her life has taken. Um so I'm very pleased to say that at one point it reached number seven in all fiction on Amazon, which is more than three million different books. Um, wow. And then there's That's yeah, and it and it has been translated into Spanish, French, and German. Then there's a sequel called Prince Ibrahim's Favorite. It also won an award. And then there's a companion volume called Voices from the Harem. That's 111 individual stories about women who all ended up in the same harem about how they were betrayed, how they were enslaved, and how how they're dealing with their their life behind the harem walls. Um, they're all available on Amazon, and I would also like to mention my website, nancyhartwell.com. It has a wealth of information about human trafficking, including a five-part course on modern-day slavery, the different forms that it takes, um, and, and also more, more details about how the predators operate and, and ways that we can, we can counteract this crime. All we need is your email address, and the course is absolutely free. NancyHartwell.com. Well, that's good stuff, good stuff, uh, Mrs. Hardwell. And I think that's something that we all need to be a little bit more uh, proactive about because we hear people talk about all the time that, you know, the children are our future, uh, but I think they need to do a little bit more about protecting them. And then even the ones that they find out that have gone through some traumatic experience like this, and they need to find out what they could do to help them as well because, like I said earlier, too, the pedophiles, they get a jail sentences, but, you know, these children, young ladies, and so on and so forth, they're, they're, they're handed a life sentence. They have to right, deal with this right. forever. For their entire lives, yes. And the pain yeah. and suffering that have been caused never, never really heal. They learn how to deal with it, but they never entirely get over it. So, um you're you're absolutely right, and I thank you so much for this opportunity to help remind people that this 
still is a problem and we still need to be concerned about it and actively fight against it. Well, definitely, and I tap you and you applaud you for your work. But I have a personal question I want to ask you, if I may. Yes, sir. Um, how how did you learn to speak 40 more languages than my one? Oh, well, 14. <laughs> I, I speak 14. Well, I... <laughs> I, know, I know. I was just, I was just exaggerating on the 40. Well, but well, anything actually, more than two is more than me. <laughs> actually... Um, in Tampa, they start teaching you Spanish in the fifth grade. Um, so I I grew up learning Spanish. Then um, I I married this guy from Cameroon. Well, in Cameroon, they speak French, so I had to learn French. And when I was there, um, I worked for a German company, so I learned German. And then I discovered Bantu languages, and they were so much fun. Do you realize um, in Bantu languages, you don't catch a cold. A cold catches you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and they were they were just so much fun. I got kind of carried away, so I learned eight languages from Cameroon. And um, then I wanted to write this book, so I studied Arabic for four years. And... Um, um, oh, and then I wanted to take a vacation in Italy, so I learned Italian. That's all. Um, yeah, I had the What'd opportunity, you say? That's and all. I That's all. and I and I had the motivation. And once you learn two languages, the next one gets easier and easier and easier because there are more familiar p- places that you can say, "Oh, okay, let's just like such and such and such." For instance, in Spanish. To say, I'm hungry, you say, tengo hambre, which means, I have hunger. In French, you say, j'ai faim, which means, I have hunger. Oh, oh, that's just like Spanish. Okay, so that makes it easier. And then, um, yeah, yeah, so it gets easier as, as as it goes along. And I've always loved words, everything about words, how you write them. I do calligraphy. Um... Uh, the history of these words, they didn't all fall out of the sky. Um, for instance, okay, this is a good example. The Alcazar fortress in Spain is actually the Arabic al qasr that means the fortress, okay? They added an extra A in Spanish to make it pronounceable. There's something called Grimm's Law about how consonants change different places. That could be a whole different interview. But like L's and R's are always switching places. Like Amsterdam is on the Amstel River. Okay, that's just one example. Um, If you change the R on the end of Kasser to an L, you have Castle. And guess what? It means castle. Now, who knew so what, that English and Arabic could be related like that? Who knew? <laughs> so what? So what language do you and your husband speak at home? Oh, oh, English. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, we used to speak Bayangi sometimes. No, he unfortunately he died eleven years ago. Um, oh. Sorry. Um. Yeah. Yeah. But but sometimes we would speak Bayangi, which was, was his own language, and it means the real language. <laughs> huh. I guess nobody else speaks a real language. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know, because that was, you know, that big question, that big question mark, that big light bulb in my head just went off. Okay, now, the real language. Now, where did this one yeah, come and, from, and how old is right, this one? Right, and they called themselves the real people. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, I can I can I can see Nancy. That, that was going to be a whole another show for us. Cause I was <laughs> anytime, <'Cause>, anytime. Because <laughs> I always want to know who the real people were. Cause I'm trying to find <laughs> out where did I come from for real. Right. <laughs> But it's been uh, yeah. a pleasure, Nancy. We definitely, definitely enjoyed you, and uh, I hope our listeners got a kick out of your show and learned something. Uh, it is a very serious subject, and it's something we're definitely going to have to put put work into, and we can't do this by ourselves. 
And um, you know, but we may just have saved a life today, and that's the only thing that keeps me going. Thank you so much. Great interview, and and I really appreciate all your great questions. And I thank you so much for taking time out again. Real quick, Nancy, throw your book out there again. Tell them where they can go get it. Okay, it's called Harem Slave, and it's available on Amazon. All right. So go support Miss Hartwell. Go get this book. Talk to your kids. Spend some time with them. And thank you again, Miss Hartwell. We love you and appreciate you and keep doing the good work. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. Uh Uh-huh. Bye. God bless you, too. Thank you. Nancy Hartwell, everybody. Human trafficking and flourishing in the 21st century. Uh, And we know it is. And like you know, it's probably happening in your neighborhood. And we're going to have to stop this. We're going to have to save some people. Reach out and touch one. You know, it's a lot easier said than done. It really is. And uh, we thank you for joining us. We know you could be someplace else doing some other things. Instead, you're taking the time to listen to me and my guest. This is Can I Play a Play, and I am your host, Lamont Patterson. Thank you so much, and um, we'll see you next week, same time. And it's just a world movement thing. Put your ears on this one on the way out. It might mean something to you. Oh!